If I were to ask you what this gospel today is about, what, what, what's this parable, what's Jesus trying to get across, what would you say? There's participation points this morning. It's going to be a lot of questions, so get ready. What would you say? Help the poor. Help the poor. That's good. That's the first mass that somebody said that. That's actually the answer I'm looking for. So you can thank her, because now the rest of you don't have to answer. <clears throat> Help the poor. I mean, right? You have Lazarus is at the front door of this guy. He's super wealthy. And not only does he not help him, he doesn't even take notice of him. But you know what? I've been preaching on this for now 12 years. And every year I preach on that. But this year I'm going to flip it. I don't think that's right. I don't. And the reason is, is because in parables... You need to find out two things. If you want to find out what Jesus is trying to teach, you need to find out two things. Who he's speaking to and how it ends. So, question number two. Who is he speaking to? The Pharisees. Good. He's not speaking to the crowds. He's not speaking to the apostles. He's speaking to the Pharisees. And who are the Pharisees? Well, I mean, yeah, they're lovers of money for sure. But that's not their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is resistance to Jesus. Hardness of heart. They don't want, they are rejecting him. They don't want anything to do with him, even though he works miracles and signs. Why do they reject him? Because they're afraid of losing their power. It has nothing to do with whether he's the son of God or the Messiah or not. They are worried that he is going to usurp their power. And because of that, they reject him. How does the parable end? It ends by the rich man saying, Oh no, Father Abraham, if someone would rise from the dead and go and tell them, certainly they would repent. But Abraham says, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if a man would rise from the dead. I don't know if you know this, but there is only one parable that Jesus tells in the entire New Testament in which he uses a name, and it's today's parable. He uses the name Lazarus. In all the other parables, you know, you think about the prodigal son. He starts out and he says, there's a a father and he has two sons. He talks about kings and landowners. The sower sowing the seed. He never names anybody except for this parable. Why? Where have we heard the name Lazarus? This is a a law ball to you. When he raises him from the dead. It's Jesus' friend Lazarus. Now, the Pharisees would have known Lazarus. They would have known about this miracle. Why? Well, because it's the greatest miracle of the New Testament. Word spread pretty quick that a dead guy was now alive. And Jesus did it. They would have known about the miracle. Some of them may even have been at the death of Lazarus. Some of them may even have been at the resurrection of Lazarus. And how did they respond? They wanted to kill Jesus. And Lazarus. I always get a kick out of that. You know, Lazarus is like one of the most unfortunate guys in the whole Bible. First of all, he's the only guy that had to die twice. Think about how terrible that is. 
And then second of all, when he gets raised from the dead, he's like immediately caught up into this whole mess between the Pharisees and Jesus. And like, why do you want to kill me? I was perfectly happy being dead, you know? But they want to kill him. So you understand that the resistance in their heart is serious. I think that this whole parable is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, essentially saying, it's almost a lament. He's saying to them, to us, what is it going to take? More specifically, what is it going to take for you to trust me? For you to surrender? For you to let go of your own little kingdoms and let me reign in your heart? What is it going to take? How many of us in this church, me included, can truly say, I totally and absolutely surrender everything to Jesus Christ. My time is completely His. My wealth is completely His. I am completely His. Whatever He wants me to do, I will do it. Or maybe is it more along the lines of, I'm totally His, but the lake cabin's looking good this weekend. I'm totally his, but Jesus, my kids have soccer on Sunday. I can't make mass. I'm totally yours, Jesus, but the walleyes are biting right now. What is it going to take for us to trust him? He can't do anything else. What more could he do that he hasn't done? Here's the point, you guys. Miracles, signs, they're never going to be enough. How many of you in this church, you don't have to raise your hands, how many of you in this church have ever said, Jesus, if you just give me a sign, I'll know what to do? I did. I did it a lot. When I was in college, I was like, Lord, give me a sign and I'll go, I'll be a priest. He gave me so many signs. So many signs. And finally, I went to the priest and I said, if if Jesus would just give me a sign, I would do it. And he said, you don't need any more signs. What you need is faith to believe the signs that have already been given. So what's the remedy here? How do we get that trust, that surrender? Because signs come and go. If I started levitating right now, floating, everybody would be like, whoa. And then everybody would come to St. Joe's and and then after a couple years it would dwindle away. So what's the remedy? I think the apostles give us a good good, look at what the remedy is. Because think about this. The apostles were with him for three years. You want to talk about signs? Miracles? They saw it all. They saw him walk on water. They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw him say to a man who was paralyzed, get up and he got up they saw saw him go to a man who was blind and say see and he saw they saw it all and what happened in the agony in the garden they ran away they ran away what changed last question what changed in the apostles To go from freaked out, scaredy cats, 
to stepping out on the world stage to do battle. It wasn't the resurrection. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, remember, they were all up in the upper room, freaked out. What changed? What's that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given to the apostles, and once they got that, it was game on. They were afraid of nothing. My friends, I believe that this is our remedy as well. I have placed at the exits in the back of the church a little prayer card. It's a prayer to the Holy Spirit. When I started praying this prayer, things changed. My eyes were opened just a little bit. And I began to see how God works. And when you see how God works and how the Holy Spirit works, fear leaves your heart because you know he's in control he's been running the show for 2,000 years nothing can stop him and if we can link up to that source of power we'll change that corrupt world we'll heal this broken church but we gotta want it and we gotta ask for it That prayer is this. O Holy Spirit, soul of my soul, I adore you. Enlighten, guide, strengthen, and console me. Tell me what I ought to do, and then command me to do it. I promise to be submissive in everything that you ask of me, and to accept all that you permit to happen to me. Only show me what is your will, and give me the strength and conviction to follow it with all of my heart. We start praying that prayer. We start surrendering to God and link up to the power of the Holy Spirit and we will renew the face of the earth.